This is Secretly Timid talking about Mad Men. And the name, and I am Nan. And I am here (laughs) today with Brian. I am Brian. And we have a special guest today. John is with us as well. So John uh, has been watching. I've been watching. And he's all caught up. So he's going to be with us this week. Um, while we talk about Mad Men. And this week's episode was called, somebody help me out. Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon. So let's see what happened this week. Um, oh, you know, one thing, I'm just going to kick it off. I'm just going to jump in there and just bring up the first thing that came to my mind. One thing that cracked me up on this episode. So at the beginning of the episode, we have flashed forward now. Um, Sterling Cooper, Draper Price people have all moved out of the office. Except Roger's still kind of hanging around. And Peggy, something has happened and like her new office isn't ready. You get the sense at some point maybe they've forgotten about Peggy. Um, but she's still hanging around the old office. But basically everybody else has moved into the new office. And, um, there was a really funny moment where Don is in his new office and he like is checking out the window yeah. of the office building, like as sort of a funny nod, I think on purpose to the whole like, uh, theory that Don is going to jump out the window or something at the right. end of the show. And that's I why that too. Yeah. I, I laughed I when that happened. I thought that was really funny. Uh, Matthew Weiner is a really, I think he has a great sense of humor and it's kind of funny when he does these little nods to the audience. Um, and um, speaking of theories about Mad Men, should we talk about the DB Cooper sure. thing at all? So this didn't happen in the episode, but there's an article and I guess a while back, Early in the show, right? Yeah, she said it was like second or third season, maybe. Yeah, this woman um, had a theory that uh, Bert, that Don is DB Cooper, the guy Who that DB Cooper. So he was the guy. Was it in the seventies? Yeah, like it was in the seventies yeah. that yeah, it he was, it was like it was the same year that Mad Men is taking place right now. Yeah, but it was a lot later in the year. And and so uh, I was about to say, and so this guy Don jumped out of a plane. Um, this guy, D.B. Cooper, uh, like hijacked a plane. He robbed a bank. Yeah. And he hijacked a plane and then he jumped out of the plane. Right. A commercial airliner. Oh. Jumped out of the plane with the money. He's never been seen since, you know, there's this police sketch of him. It's just like a, you know, white guy with a nice, neat, you know, 60s haircut and some sunglasses. But Don Draper doesn't need to rob a bank. He's already rich. That's the stupid part of the, the <laughs> stupidest part of the theory. Is he, he, he just wrote a check from his checking account for a million dollars. He's not going to rob a bank for 200 grand. And then jump out of a plane and <laughs> maybe die. <laughs> um, And so the theory is basically well, like... Don, Don, Don knows how to run away from his life a lot better than that. <laughs> You know, the theory is like, oh, Burt Cooper, like D.B. Cooper, like, and now that Burt Cooper's dead, like, clearly Don would take his last name and not his first name and then jump out of a plane with it or something. I don't know. So Did you hear the other, the speculation that the uh, the hitchhiker that he picked up was supposed to be, um, why can I not think of his name now? Charlie Manson? No. Um, the folk singer. 
Oh, uh, Bob Dylan? Yeah, supposed to be Bob Dylan. But by this point, Bob Dylan is like... It's already he's like famous. Famous. Yeah. Like, People Bob Dylan stupid. was referred to People, several yeah. seasons ago. They were going to go see Bob Dylan. Right, yeah. like like the second season or something. Yeah. When, uh, Peggy's gay friend. Was yeah, the gay the copywriter or the artist or whatever. Peggy yeah. had a gay friend? There was a gay... There When they when Sterling Cooper hired some new people one of them was this duo they were like a copywriter and an artist or something and one of them was gay oh see i need it i i haven't i've watched season one and then the she, last two seasons and she thought he was asking her on a date and then, and he, then, and then he fixed her hair <laughs> <laughs> i i i mean i like peggy but i i didn't i i mean joan would be the gay friendly one obviously yeah. i don't think that peggy would be she's i mean little... peggy is a lesbian obviously you think so well, and she had um, a lesbian had a yeah. crush on her for a while. I could see Peggy. Well, she, I could uh, see that, Peggy being a lesbian. That pantsuit lady had a made a yeah. pass at Peggy a couple episodes ago. Yeah, well, there's that well, one. But yeah. there was uh, Zosha Mamet was on it um, for a while. She was a like a worked at a newspaper. Or she was a photographer's assistant, I think, at Life magazine, yeah. and they were in the same building because they were in the time. Well, I did building. not know that. I'm gonna have to watch these past seasons. So anyway, that is a silly theory about Bob Dylan. That is very, although when the guy got in the car with Don at the end of the episode, I was like, Oh, maybe this guy will be a serial killer and he'll murder Don. <laughs> so here's my thing. I mean, I was telling Brian about this earlier. My main thing is just like, I think it'd be really cool if Don just didn't come back for any more episodes. He's ridden off into the sunset. He was driving off towards the horizon, had nowhere to go. He had gone, um, to Diana's town. In Racine, Indiana, Racine, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And she, you know, had this run in with her um, ex-husband and his wife. And um, and now he's just going. He picked up this hitchhiker and the hitchhiker was like, I'm going so and so place. And Don was like, I can go there. Like, literally doesn't even care where he's going. He's just driving. Yeah, because he's obviously still going west because Minneapolis is west of Wisconsin. Gotcha. Thanks for the geometry sure. Ge- geography lesson. Really? Because Ge- I don't, I don't think, I don't think viewers like openness. I think they want wrapped up in a little bow. I hate. Yeah. Don will be back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big closure fan. I always think that's really weird when people just want everything. Like, I mean, what would that even look like anyway? Unless somebody's dead, something is going to happen <gasps> after the show's over. What if to they? Them. What if they reenacted Six Feet Under? <laughs> And this the has last come up scene before, yeah. is a Sia song, and it shows all of their deaths. <laughs> you know, I haven't finished Six Feet Under yet. Now everybody Spoiler has spoiled. Alert. Everyone has spoiled the last episode for me like fifty times. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know why I'm. I don't even know why I would watch the rest of the show. It was a beautiful <laughs> ending. Probably that my best. I would say that's probably the best ending of a series is Six Feet Under. Yeah, it was good. So I don't know, much the, better than Buffy. The Sopranos was pretty badass. And that's the thing, though, is I like that ending of The Sopranos, right? Uh, yeah, it's very open ended, but some people hate it. Yeah, but it I don't. A lot of people off. I don't understand how, like, I mean, every ending is open ended. Again, unless you kill everyone, stuff is going to continue to happen like to these Breaking people. Bad. Is that what happened in Breaking Bad? I stopped watching that show because mm, I hated that show. Um, so I mean, unless there's like some major kill everybody situation, then people are going to keep living their lives after the show. What show's if Don over. Draper does that? Gets like a Tommy gun from the 1940s and just shoots <laughs> up the entire office. Why would he get a gun from the 1940s? John is not starting, allowed to be on any more episodes of this. Starting show. with his mousy secretary, um, who I kind of like and kind of hate <laughs> at the same time because she's like, I'm like, are you a real person? Are you a robot? It's so, but I like her. <laughs> Meredith is great. She's become really hilarious. Um, 
So, yeah, we start off the episode. Everybody's settled in at, um, you know, or it appears that people are settling in nicely at the new place. But very quickly, we start to realize that there's all these cracks in the, in the system, right? Um, Joan is, well, the women copywriters come to Joan's office and they're like, Oh, we're so glad you're here. You know, and they're kind of, they want to be on her accounts. They want to work with her. And they say at some point as they're leaving the office, they're like, you know, do you want to come to our women's happy hour? It's not women's lib. It's strictly consciousness lowering and right. all this stuff. But you get it. I got a sense from them being in her office and wanting to be on her accounts that in some way that's a cry for like, we don't want to work for on these other dudes accounts right. anymore. Not just because we don't. Not because we will know these ladies' products better, although that's how they frame it, right. but just because working for the woman account person would be more comfortable well, and, for them. And we see pretty quickly why that is. Right. Because when Joan is calling clients to tell them about the transition, she has uh, what's-his-face in the office, and he's just completely making an ass of himself, trying to take over from her and doing a horrible job of it. Didn't respect her enough to read her notes on these clients right. ask, ahead of time. Ask the guy in the wheelchair if he wants to go play golf. <laughs> so there's definitely a sense in these scenes that these women won't come right out and say, we don't feel comfortable in this workplace, but there are signs that come. And then later in the episode, we kind of see that come out more or we see, you know, when Joan has a run like Joan. So basically Joan goes to Ferg. And asks Ferg that she cannot work with what's his name anymore. And so right. Ferg's like, don't worry, I'll handle this. And Ferg puts himself as Joan's partner and is basically like, okay, now we're going to go on an out of town business trip and we're going to bone. And like, you know, basically you have no choice in this matter. So Joan tries to go to, oh, what's his name? The McCann, Jim, the big guy, Jim, Jim Hobart. Yeah. And she's going to tell Jim Hobart what's going on. And Jim Hobart's basically like, look, you have no power here. Like, I'm, you know, I'm tired of these shenanigans. I'm tired of you complaining and all that stuff. And so she threatens to go to the EEOC and like stage, you know, um, in real life, there had actually been, um, a sit in at a ladies home journal because it was ladies home journal, but the whole staff was basically male and they were trying to get more women hired into the organization and all this stuff. And so she refers to that. You know, and threatens to have a similar thing happen. Um, threatens to have Betty for Dan in his lobby or whatever. And, um, and he says the women like it here, but you really kind of get the sense that she knows that's not true. Right. Um, well, and she says as much. She's like, Oh, really? Because I think that, um, I can get, you know, I can't remember the exact phrasing she uses, but basically I think if I start this, that all of these women are going to. Right. To my side. And then he's like, well, what are you going to do? Go to the New York Times? Like, we have billions of dollars that we buy there in advertising. Right. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be really hard for me to get them to embarrass you. Yeah, find and, a reporter who wants to embarrass Right. You. <laughs> and so, and you can tell, like, he kind of is a little unnerved by that. Like, he kind of knows that's true, right? Um, he sits back down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, um, Joan, Roger comes to Joan. Well, because uh, Jim says... Basically, he offers her half right. a half of her money to leave and never show up again. And she says, no, she wants it all. And he basically says, fuck you. I'd rather give it to an attorney. Right. Yeah. And then good old Roger, as usual, she like Roger's like, I can't help you, which is typical Roger in their relationship. Right. Like whenever he needed her, she was always there for him. And but anytime she's ever really needed Roger, 
he's always just been like, hang in there, old, old gal, you know, and like really can't, never has really tried very hard to be there for her or stand yeah, up for her. I, I think that's true, but also think that she made a mistake and not going to Roger and Don first and instead going to these outside people that she didn't know, she didn't have a relationship with. Yeah. But Roger was absent for so much of the episode because he spent he most of the episode in the other office. True, so, but, but Don was not. Don was there and Don told her to come see him. Um, and you know, she's like, well, you're too busy. You're too high up now. And he's like, no, not for you. But he left pretty early in the episode too. He was still there at that point though. When she, when she had her meeting that the guy was fucking up with Ferg, with Ferg and also with the first guy. Oh, Um, right. That guy. Yeah. Don was still there then. But it wasn't just them. They were all kind of segregated. Because when they would pop back, like, oh, hey, what have you been doing? You know, right. right. Well, and the idea that you get is that, like, clearly McCann is this huge machine compared mm. to what they're used to. So well, it kind of it felt like the transition from, like, junior high to high school. Like, when you, you're in high school and all the people that used to hang around aren't right. there anymore. Well, but you see each other every once in a yeah. while. And it's just well, there was a reminder a, that, a, hey. a funny bit between Harry and Roger where Harry, I mean, Roger's basically just dumping all over Harry, telling him ba- not so many words, but basically how he really feels about him. Yes! And Harry's just I like, hate Harry. Whatever. <laughs> 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 two floors away from you now. I've got a question. Um, a couple episodes when Joan met the handsome stranger who had a freak out because she had a child, uh-huh. and Joan said, I could leave that child for you. Was she being serious? No. Okay, she, good. No. I saw that. She was like calling his bluff and being okay. sarcastic and basically, oh, okay. and like, I think just showing him what an ass he was, you yeah. know, just like, oh yeah, sure. You know, just let me choose you or my kid. No problem. And like, that's ridiculous. That's right? This is what that looks like. Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, part of what we're seeing in this episode and, and, you know, is the cracks in the whole thing. Cause it's like, they're, they're all coming over to McCann and McCann had sold, like in the previous episode, it's like, you're dying and going to advertising heaven. Like, this is going to be so good for you. But very quickly we start to see it's not good for anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's basically lost their power. Roger well, is nothing at this point. Roger's nothing, but Don is, is the whole reason why this happened. Is right. They wanted Don. He had been trying to get. Jim Hobart had been trying to get Don for years. But by the end of the episode, Jim Hobart is basically turning on Don already. Well, so Don just left. <laughs> yeah, well, but Don... Don's been doing that the whole show and getting away with it in a lot of situations. Right, but he's never done that at McCann before. Right. Literally, right in the middle of a pitch, he gets right. up and walks away. <laughs> but that's away. the thing, is like he's been losing his power this whole time, and now he's really, because he can't, even his charming Donness is not enough for him to be able to just leave and then have the bot, like... You know, you get the sense that there's no way he's going to be able to make this okay with Jim Hobart. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I don't know that he's going to really give a shit at this point to make it okay. But yeah, Don has this moment. It's funny. It's like in the beginning of the episode, he's being all smooth and slick and, you know, hey, 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 and like acting like he's, you know, everything's on the up and up. He's found a new apartment. Meredith is going to decorate it for him, all this stuff. And then he goes into a meeting and he realizes that he's one of like 20, creative directors in this one meeting for this one client it's not his client which is what he was expecting when he goes into this miller beer meeting it's like 20 creative directors on this client he's just one of them he's not you know and he just gets up in the middle of the meeting and walks out he sees an airplane which gives him the the idea to rob a bank (laughs) (laughs) and get on an airplane (laughs) um 
I thought he was just going to jump out of the window right then. <laughs> like, oh, look, an airplane. That sounds like fun. Uh, look how an airplane. <laughs> um, and it's funny because, like, Ted has this look on his face when it happens. Like, yep, that. And, like, so docile. Just sort of like, yep, there he goes. That makes total sense. But I'm here in, in you know. This is my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, he had previously been at a super big agency before, you know, before the SCDP stuff all happened. And, um, he just seems like totally, that seems like Ted's what he's always wanted is just back in this big group where he can sort of, Fame. you know, chill and <laughs> not as much responsibility. Right. Yeah. Um, and then so Don just leaves and, um, goes to Racine, Wisconsin. Nor was that also there was, there was that nice scene between him and Betty. Oh, that's too. right. So before he takes off for a scene, like, and that, so the scene with him and Betty, he goes by the house because he was supposed to take Scally to school, but Sally ended up leaving without him and going with somebody else. Right. And Betty tells him this and like, they're having a little nice back and forth being like kind of sweet and funny with each other. And then Don gives her a back rub and she's like, that's enough, you know? <laughs> and you kind of in that moment, there's this finality to it where like Betty really isn't letting him back in. Right. And that relationship is pretty much. Well, you said it before he lost his power. Like, you know, he, he got up and left this meeting and nobody noticed. Oh my God, Don Draper's leaving. Stop yeah, the that press. is, that he was interesting. He lost his power. Like, he comes over to Betty's place and there's no, like, where are the horns? Where are the trumpets? Don Draper's here. There's yeah. nothing. Right. His there's own not- daughter didn't even wait for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's completely lost his power. In a way, he's invisible. Yeah, it really did feel like that Until for the whole episode. He goes to that other place and the, the woman doesn't notice, but the man, picks him out immediately, immediately that, yeah. that he's not who he says he is yeah because first he says that that diana has won a prize and they're trying to locate her this is uh that waitress diana, that everybody diana, hates yeah <laughs> every, waitress that everybody hates he goes to her ex-husband's house where he meets his the guy's new wife and tells her that diana's won a prize and he's trying to locate her it's a it's a <laughs> he uses the the guy from the meeting uses his identity um the guy that was giving the pitch when he walked out. Right. And tells her that they want a refrigerator full of Miller beer. And so he sits on the couch and waits for the guy to get home. And when the guy gets home, he's like, we didn't win any contests. She didn't enter any contests. He's like, you're right. I'm a creditor. I'm looking for her because she's, she's in debt. And so the guy kicks him out and then comes out to the car and he's like, look, I know you're not a creditor. <laughs> you're just another poor slub that she's duped into thinking that he can save her and you can't save her. Which is why he... Only Jesus is, can save her. <laughs> which is why he wants her because then again, it's like she's invisible to him. Yeah. I don't I don't think he's used to, to women doing that. He's, you know... Well, he's always been drawn to, to tragic... Yeah, but at the same time, I think the women have kind of been enamored with him for the most part. A lot of and the this women, woman, it's like she was easily to fuck him and, and let him go. If you look back over the history of his um, affair relationships over the season, they do follow a pattern where at first the woman is like, "No, no, you know, yeah. no," and then he get he razzle dazzles them. He gets in there, and then suddenly the woman is like, "Yes, yes," and then he's which gone. He, which he did, you know? which he did this time as well, except that she re- remembered that she had a dead kid and didn't, <laughs> didn't want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do this." Right? Yeah. Um. And so that definitely, I think, 
that's gonna that's that I can see why that would stay with him and cause him to just take off to Racine and think if I can just get this person again it's like for an alcoholic a lot of a lot of the behavior of an alcoholic is all about like compulsive repetition of like enacting patterns in all kinds of ways mm-hmm. and so it makes total sense that she busted up the pattern and so now he's like he's going to obsessively try to enact the pattern with her. But does he even know that the pattern is busted up? No, I mean I don't think he's conscious. Like, oh, the pattern's been busted. It's no, like, I know, but at this point he doesn't. I, I think. I mean, I don't know where he was really at the end of the episode, but I think him going to Racine is him just doing what he would normally do. He's I'm going. This is this time it, it's making me drive across the country. Right. But, yeah. But I'm. It's still the woman is resisting, and I'm gonna. Right. Yeah. He's obsessively trying to enact the pattern. Yeah. But who knows what will happen next? I kind of hope we get to see Megan's crazy mom. That's possible. one more time. Yeah. Just I one like, more time. Yeah, I feel like it's possible this because Mother's her Day. and Roger had struck up an affair at the end of yeah. like what last episode or something. Yeah. The episode before this one. I um, mean, I'm kind of okay with not seeing Megan again. Oh, but... I think there's every possibility we won't see Megan again. Uh, yeah, I don't think we'll see Megan again. I think that scene with her feeling so pleased that she got a million dollars is probably the, the last <laughs> the way she's going to go out. <laughs> Yep. And she just has no patience for her sister. So she's not going to be have a star on the Hollywood <laughs> walk of fame? Maybe in the montage. Maybe, you know. Flash forward. Um, That'd be fun. Predict the ending for every character. Go. <laughs> dead, dead, dead. By now. Yeah, dead. But um, I think, I think, I, don't, I think Peggy will probably. S- have the most successful ending out of all of them. It seems like they, I was really feeling for a minute there, like Joan was going to have a super successful ending. No, but when can't she do that. walked, when she basically at the end of this episode, like, um, ended up with half her money. I mean, it looks like she's in, it looks like she's going to end up with half her money and out of the, you know, of the place. Mm-hmm. And, that's not a terrible way to end. I mean, it's a lot more money than she would have had prior to any of the money, right? Or prior yeah. to her partnership. But still, for her, clearly, at some point, having a career became very important yeah. to Joan. So it's not even just about the money. It's about trying to be taken seriously and have that power. And she's she was there. And then, like, it's I just think she's going to grow her. up to be a philanthropist. I think it would be interesting if she took her clients oh no oh, yeah. what are or what if her boy bow boy how it's how do you say it Bo Bo buys the fucking company i don't think he's got <laughs> i bet i think he does what if she walks in that boardroom and says i but own I don't you all think now that you're that, all fired i don't know that that's a happy ending for her because again that's his power that's her like harnessing power but only through him i mean i think Joan has actually gotten really turned on to the idea of of owning her own power, like having power that originates from her and is, you know, her thing. And I don't know that, I don't know that that is a hundred percent a happy ending for Joan. Oh, happy endings you know? are overrated. I mean, sure. that meant it's not going to be a happy ending I mean, for everybody. Who, who, no, I don't think it's going to be a happy ending. I mean, maybe one person will be left standing in the rubble, but I don't, I don't foresee. And happy endings skates. for everybody. No, it'll be Don after he mows everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> the Tommy gun. Um, 
after he pushes everybody out of windows at McCann Erickson and they all fall to their <laughs> Everybody dead. except for Don falls out of um, I mean, and, you know, even for Peggy, I think that, I mean, she doesn't necessarily win them all all the time either. There's plenty of times where Peggy is... Sh- I mean, at, there was a very real moment in this episode where I thought Peggy was going to just be forgotten, right? Like, <laughs> in the last episode, the guy was like, you need to go to McCann because that's going to be really good for your career. But then right. she doesn't have an office at the new building. And right. that is really not good. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There was a real sense that they could just be leaving her behind because they just wanted Don, right? They didn't right. want her. That have been that would have been hilarious if at the end of the episode she's still in the old building, like holding true to her guns, and then they finally cut the power. <laughs> they even forgot her there. She's just right. in the building all by herself. So she is in the building with Roger for a, right. a large portion of the episode. And Roger has lost all I mean, he is <laughs> yeah. just basically done. He's, you know, he is going to the new building, but he doesn't even want to leave the old building because he knows there's nothing for him at this new place. Right. Like, it's just, he's just going to be an old guy hanging out um, like a p- fixture, you know, at the new place. Um, and so something really is ending for him. And the fact that she's left there, you know, she's supposed to be the one who's on the rise. She's the young, she's going places, right? But here she is in this building with no power, hanging out with Roger, who's basically at the end of his career. Yeah, and, and either Jim or Ferg say something about, because I think it, I think Joan says something about Peggy being lead copywriter. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, that's probably going to change too. Yeah, but it's like how Peggy stood 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 her ground, and in the end, she got what she wanted. She got her office, whereas Joan did not stand her ground, and wasn't. I think that Joan they, did stand her ground. No, she took the she took the five she took the half the half the check only after she like had exhausted all of her options. No, she had the option of standing and fighting. Yeah, she, she might not have won, but yeah. she had that she could have stood her ground instead of taking the. I don't see it that way at all. I, I mean, see I, th- I see way. it as her being defeated, but I don't see it as her not standing her ground. She stood her ground for quite a bit of the episode. There were definitely. But in the end, she gave in. And, and I mean, Peggy, Peggy all Peggy did, all. all Peggy did to stand her ground was just wait until she got a phone call saying that her secretary had finagled her in office. I mean, that's not, I don't really necessarily see her as having fought harder than well, Joan I think she did. I, I, mean, I don't think she fought harder than Joan, but I think they were definitely com- comparing I mean, and contrasting. I think, their, I think what we saw in Joan was not Joan giving up, was literally Joan being defeated. I mean, she could have gone to, to um, court, but the, like Jim Hobart said, I'd rather just give your money to it. At some point, if you're facing the machine... She the could machine, have gone to the EEOC or whatever that... She might still go to the EEOC. I mean, yeah, she, that's hasn't true. Ne- that's she true. didn't necessarily take her check just yet. She just like... Basically, at the end of the episode, it wasn't looking really good for her because even Roger was like, I can't help you. So... I mean, she took a realistic... Like, it was very realistic, but I don't I don't think that, that she stood her ground. I just disagree But at the same completely. time, if I if I were in her shoes, I probably would have done the same thing because the options were just not there for her. I guess we just have different ideas of what standing your ground is because, like... Standing your ground you is not taking ground, the $500,000 well, to I, go away when you have a million dollars. She got half of what she was owed. Fuck that shit. But she hasn't... I have well, a million thing, motherfucking dollars. Give me my million dollars, We didn't bitch, actually not go see... Away. Okay, well... 
Okay. She got $750,000. I thought it was $500,000. I guess, she I guess. She had $500,000. She was owed another $500,000 and she took uh, half of that. But I guess what I'm saying is that like, I guess we see it differently because you know how people say, well, oh, your relationship failed if you broke up in the end. But I don't know that that's always a failure, right? Like that's just sometimes you, your, your relationship might have been like really super awesome and then mm-hmm. in the end it ended, but that doesn't mean it's a failure. I guess what I'm saying is that like, she physically fought, like she physically sat there in a room with Jim Hobart and stood up to him, which is way mm-hmm. different than Peggy sitting in an office across town, just waiting for a phone call saying, okay, you're good to come over here while her secretary worked out the details, which is what Peggy did. I mean, I'm not saying Peggy's not a fighter. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that I don't see it. I don't see her as having fought for anything. She sat in an office and waited for somebody to call her and say, okay, but come then over. they, then they offer her something else in the meantime. In the building where she's like, no, this is unacceptable. No, her secretary said, would you like for me to have all your uh, call? Uh, no, Peggy said um, like something about working from home. And she was like, you don't want to do that because that'll be like, mm-hmm. that won't look good. So she was like, okay, fine. Have like, call me here if you need me. But that's, I mean, again, that's not like the same as sit- sitting in Jim Hobart's office. And but fighting for, with but him I don't think, it. I don't think a success would be Joan saying, I want all that I'm owed. Well, but there's him a saying, difference. I'll give you half of no, what, but you, there's a what you're owed. Uh, but and then her saying, I'm, okay, that's I'll why take I'm half. saying that you and I have different ideas about even what we're talking about. Because to me, standing your ground and success are not, you can stand your ground and still fail. So her having failed at winning him over doesn't mean she yeah, didn't I guess stand I'm her stubborn because I would have, I would have probably stood it I still, and ended I up with s- nothing. I totally saw like, John as, Joan as a fighter. I just feel like what we learned through Joan, Joan's storyline over and over and over again is that the world is like things are really, really stacked against her. And sometimes mm-hmm. when you're fighting the machine, like the machine will eat you up. Even if you fight it, it will eat you up. And that's what we see in Joan's storyline. I think she totally fought. I just think she got eaten up by the machine. See, I think I think if it if Peggy and Joan had been I think Peggy would have given the machine indigestion. Where Joan was kind of like, eh. I just no, don't know. That's, that's not Peggy. I mean, it's possible Peggy's going to get... I mean, there was a good period of time during this episode where I really did think they were just forgetting her and leaving her there. So at no point did I get the sense that she was fighting because I mm-hmm. thought she was getting left behind. That was what I thought was happening um, during the whole episode. Can we talk about that great surreal moment with the roller skating? Because that yes. was one of my favorite television moments ever. There was a... <laughs> <laughs> there's a gif of her just like yes going past, we're gonna use it <laughs> and it's like my favorite thing brian gregory sent it to me and i was just like oh i just want to watch this like all day she's like we oh when i was i was i went to my office yesterday to to work um on a saturday and there was nobody there and i thought i wish i had roller skates right now because i would roller skate around this <laughs> this office and have the time of my like life Peggy. yeah um, yeah, that whole scene was great. She comes back from getting off the phone with her secretary who, you know, they've just decided, okay, I'm not going home cause that would look bad. So I'm going to stay here in this dark office and she hears the organ music playing mm. and it's kind of got this horror movie feel, right? <laughs> right? Like, did you at first just think it was, it was just the show yeah, and, and at that, first, that, that, that yeah. there was a rapist there that was going to beat and kill her? And- no, at first I couldn't, I at first, I wasn't actually picking up on the fact that what she was hearing was the organ yeah. music. I thought the organ music was, uh, you know, like background music added right. on for our, our, for us. And I was like, what is she saying hello to? Like, what? Cause I'm not hearing any yeah. noises. And then, and that kind of added to the creep factor, right? Cause I was just like, what is she hearing? And that, I don't hear it. 
And then you realize when she comes around and sees Roger that it's and there oh, is a really there is a really funny exchange between those two when he's when she scared the shit out of him and he, <laughs> he says I have a heart condition <laughs> and she's like you I'm not scared you're playing organ music which is scary <laughs> that was funny oh and I also liked when she dropped the the cup and was just like fuck it <laughs> I'm not gonna pick it up well, that was that was like what was she doing make Does yeah she not know how to make coffee? instant coffee is so great. <laughs> <laughs> and I also I hope like, she like put the cup on the on burner. The stove. Yeah. yeah. Like has she never made coffee before? <laughs> and it's instant coffee, which is weird. Well, I guess at that time it wasn't weird. I guess what it was happening was that like the coffee maker wouldn't have been working, right? Because right. you'd have to plug it, it would be your electricity. But it was instant coffee. You don't need it's that kind of you just pour in and put hot water in it, kind yeah. of makes itself yeah. like tea. Maybe the hot water was turned off. I don't know. Um Oh, and then the, the painting at, at the end oh, where she takes the, the painting, octopus the octopus. Porn. That it's was a very symbolic. painting, but I can't think of the name of it. That was very it's symbolic. A, yeah, it's a Japanese artist. Right. Yeah. And it was in Burt Cooper's office. Because uh, uh, she was like, I shouldn't have this painting. It'll make the boys uncomfortable. And like, <laughs> I don't want to do that, right? And Roger's like, who said you don't want to make the boys uncomfortable? And then you see her carrying it at the end. And it's like, oh, okay. Like a boss. Like a super boss. Super cool sunglasses and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I, I read an article porn. that was comparing, I think it was like a mashable, one of those bullshit click hole type of a, well, not click hole, but you know, like clickbait. I mean, click hole is bullshit, but on purpose, <laughs> and it's supposed to be that way. Um, that was, that was saying that in the beginning of the episode that she was modeled after Velma and like the way that she was, the way that she carried herself, the color palette, like her unfeminine dress. Uh-huh. And at the end, she was Daphne because she had like the little thing around her neck and she was walking kind of, you know, yeah. like a boss. And I thought that was interesting, but no, I don't think that was intentional. I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're looking into to that. Oh, you've not read, uh, Mad Style. Oh, uh, Tom Lorenzo. Yeah. No, I don't. Mad Style is fun. It'll have you looking at things in a whole new light though. Cause like they do their Monday recap and then on mm-hmm. Wednesday they do Mad Style where they break down like yeah, all the outfits Mad Style, in the show. It just reminds me of grad school where like, where we, where we do like a deep literary analysis of a story <laughs> and I'm like, this is bullshit guys. You're, you're all bullshit. Like you're pulling all this stuff out of your ass. <laughs> There was a great thing I read on the internet a while back about like just different famous authors like having been asked if certain symbolism in their work was on purpose or mm. accidental. They and all most, say no. Most say most say accidental. A few said yes. It was they felt like it was on purpose, and a few said like I didn't think it was on purpose until I got done with it, and then I was like, well, maybe oh, the Scarlet I probably Letter. did that on purpose, you know? Well, obviously, yeah, <laughs> but um. But yeah, they they mostly said that it was. She was not wearing on blue because she felt blue that thing, and now she's wearing <laughs> orange because she's a fighter in this scene. <laughs> and now we can contrast this with the wallpaper. I'm like, oh my! I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe the style dressers, the costume designers, maybe they all have these great group think where they where they do and everything's very purposeful. But I doubt it. Well, so they, they're to you. It's just random choices. No, not random. But <laughs> everything I don't, I don't, is meaningless. But I don't think it's all foreshadowing and symbolism either. <laughs> I mean, but there's stuff that's very obvious. Like they're 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 playing with the audience. Like when Megan last season wore the same type of shirt that what's her name wore that right. model wore Sharon Tate, right? Model actress wore. You know, yeah. like that's very obvious. But then there's sometimes when I read that, I'm like, ah. Uh, I mean, it's fun to read, but I don't think that it's real. 
just like Santa Claus. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think it's it's intentional. But some stuff, like some sign of great writing, when when all that symbolism is unintentional, but it's still there. It was just in the back of the writer's mind, where it's like, oh, I can see why, you know, I named this character this, and I don't know. Yeah. Right. Um. Let's see what else happened this episode. Oh yeah, but Peggy and Roger have this great like that. The whole arc of that was really kind of great because like you can tell Peggy's a little resistant to Roger when she walks into that scene. Right. You know she doesn't want to get sucked into his never, Roger you, bullshit. You've never paid this much attention to me before. <laughs> um, Peggy's always skeptical of everybody, um, which probably serves her well. Once you break um, out the vermouth. Yeah. <laughs> vermouth is so gross <laughs> i hated martinis for years or i thought i hated martinis for years because the first martini i ever had was like in college made by this college guy right. who was like also 19 yeah. and i'm pretty sure he just like it was like half vermouth and half vodka <laughs> you know instead of just coating the glass yeah. with the vermouth and it was disgusting and uh but later i had an actually good martini and then i became quite a fan um but yeah so, ooh, I only gross. liked apple teenies. <laughs> I was a big fan of those. Yeah. <laughs> With the sugar on the, the rim. Cho- have you, what, have you had a I haven't had a chocolatini. Maybe if I decide to break my sobriety, I'll have a chocolatini. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would do it for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Just kidding. Um,. So yeah, the end of the episode, we see Don's riding off into the sunset with this stranger in his car towards Minneapolis. So yeah. who knows? Two episodes left. Although Bob Dylan from Minneapolis. <laughs> Is he from Minneapolis? Yeah. I wonder if all Maybe of he'll our... meet Prince there. <laughs> I wonder if all of our favorite guys and gals are gonna leave this new firm and start their old form firm again. Maybe that'll be the ending. It just feels like everybody's life is unraveling, basically. But back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about me. Um so I don't know. I I still think Don's gonna fall out a window. <laughs> and it like uh the clip at the end you don't get to see that on next week do you they never make any sense well the one for this week like the next time mad men from last week i mean it just looks like everything's just i don't know all hell is breaking loose (laughs) i think pete is gonna figure heavily into you know this next episode. You think um, any chance Pete and Trudy get back together? Yes, I hope so. I, I think there's a chance. I don't know. Like, uh, she doesn't seem to be with anyone and hasn't been. I always really liked them together. I know, like, I, I don't know. I kind of really enjoyed it when she left him because it was her, like, again, exerting right. some power. Um, and clearly he had been a shit, but there right. was a moment, the, the season where, um, the season where, uh, Kennedy got shot and they decided not to go to Roger's daughter's wedding and yeah. they were going to stay home because fuck them and right. like the whole world. They're, they're, that was a moment where I really liked them a whole lot. Yeah. And that season, I really felt like they clicked a lot and like he was less of a shit and they were yeah. more on the and, same page and, and they were more of a partnership. Yeah. From 
until he started having affairs again. Right. Like after he raped the au pair, <laughs> from there until yes. he started having affairs again, they were really a pretty good couple. Yeah, they were like, yeah, well, they brought up rapes and all Were there ever any sort of uh, repercussions for that? No. Yeah. That's sad. No. Didn't he also sexually assault Peggy? Um, no. I mean, no, I think it was consensual. Oh. Yeah, I don't, not that I can remember. Which is the maid. It was a maid, right? That he, she was a nanny. nanny? Yeah, she's the nanny for neighbors. I mean, the only repercussion was that his neighbor came over and basically was like, can you leave her alone, please? Like, it's hard to find a new nanny in this town. I mean, it was mostly just like reinforcing this idea that, you know, men can do pretty much whatever they want to to women as long as certain other things are not, you know, as long as they don't disturb other men's peace, right. they can do whatever they want to. Um, like maybe pick somebody else's nanny because you're harsh in my gig, or maybe like you could go have sex with somebody in another building because like this is upsetting to the social order in this building. Um, but it was never like you're a terrible person. You you sexually assaulted this person. It was more just like you know be more careful. Also known as the good time. old days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I said jokingly. <laughs> Did you? He didn't mm-hmm. mean it. Well, I think that's probably about it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We'll, uh, we'll know more next next time. More next week. Yeah. Two episodes left. So sad. Do you think we're going to come up with a new show to watch and have recaps of? I don't know. I'm sure we can find something that we all enjoy. Walking Dead. Mm. We should just go back and do The Wire. <laughs> we <Yeah>. should do <laughs> Peggy Carter. We should do Peggy Carter. Agent Carter? You should do, yeah, Agent Carter. See, I don't know. There's, you need to watch it when it comes lot, on Netflix. There, but there aren't a lot of shows that you could really do this with. Yeah, I mean, Agent it's not Carter just any show them. that you can talk about. There's got to be a lot of meat and underlying There are a lot things. of meat and potatoes with Agent Carter. <laughs> you just give it a try, man. Try it. You'll like it. Just give it a try, Brian. Something tells me it's not going to be Agent it's Carter. It's historical. It takes place in the 1940s. <laughs> There's a lot of pro-feminism, which we're a fan of. And um, Haley Atwell's an awesome actress, and it has a really good supporting cast around it. I think you should give it a try. That has my vote. Well, let's put out to the I audience. think we should go back and rewatch all of The Sopranos and talk about that. Or we should go back and do Mad Men from season one. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually be... You could probably talk me into that, actually. Yeah, once the season's over. I don't know if anybody's going to want to listen to it. It could be that things take on different meanings. So true, right? Or like, the go Wire. back in the very beginning. We could do The Wire. Is there a Wire podcast? I'm sure there is, but... I don't know, because when the show was actually on, I don't know that podcasting was as much of a was thing not, as it is true. now, so we could probably get away with it. <laughs> um, and I and I know Brian pretty much is constantly watching that show. I would watch again. it again. I, I would watch it again. It, um, I don't think I watched it last year. Oh no, you're due. You're overdue for your yeah your rewatch. I could rewatch it for sure. I think I've only watched it all the way through. I've only watched it once, once and then I've watched some of the episodes again. It's hard. I it's hard to think about watching season four again though. <laughs> that was so yeah. sad. It was gut wrenching. Was that the one with the kids? Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough one. All right. Let's All right. Wrap it we up. should go. Bye. <laughs>
Bye. Bye.